Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have with me Martin Mover and Shaker Willis. That's right. And it wasn't that long ago you called me that. Isn't the it? Same, yeah, same reason you're calling me it now. I'm moving again. Oh, well, you're moving, but not only that, you're also just busy doing a lot of stuff. I mean, people know... Uh, about your your podcast UFO, and of course your audience knows uh, you you do the online video interviews and this and that. But you also you know in your in your normal life do all of these different things. So you just keep yourself pretty busy, don't you? Yeah, there's no laurels that I'm resting on. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I like what I do, so I have fun. What has also been fun is, as usual, you know, there's always cool, I think, UFO stuff going on. And uh, this has been a little more controversial than I expected, it, and I don't know how you feel about that as well. But this new show uh, about Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Project Blue Book, it's called Project Blue Book. So we have the writer and creator of the show, David O'Leary, on today as our guest. And this is what's really cool is that... You know, if you look at his IMDb, it's mostly Project Blue Book. So this is kind of his first real big thing. And we talk about this is, you know, what got him interested in how did he sell it? And he sold it to the big time. I mean, he's on history and they're spending tons of money marketing and they're doing so many cool things marketing it. So I'm so excited for this interview. Plus, I mean, what a great interview that's going to be. Plus, he's up. Uh, the, the History Channel, or whoever is actually uh, producing this, um, you know, the the series, it, they're just doing top notch, you know, special effects, mm-hmm. great acting. You know, from what I can see so far, the the people playing the part are really really good. I'm really excited. I can't wait to watch it. January eighth. Yes, January eighth. It comes out, and unfortunately, I guess you weren't able to make it to one of the previews. No, never saw the preview. I wish I really wanted to, but no. Yeah, because uh, Chicago what, I was invited there. That's closest one near me, I think. Yeah, that would have been cool too, because Paul Heineck was there, uh, J. Allen Heineck's son, who I interviewed actually already, and who will be next week's uh, podcast. Wow! So that's a really fun one. But uh, David O'Leary, you got to talk to him also, right? I did. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Extremely just excited about the topic of yeah, UFOs and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. So a lot of fun. What I didn't realize is all of these guys were at uh, both Alien Con, so Pasadena and Baltimore. I knew some of them were in Baltimore. That's where I met oh. Paul Hynek, but I guess David O'Leary was at, at both as well. So um, a lot of fun. So at least the LA one will be able to meet up. But uh, I have a feeling that, you know, um, we're going to be able to interview him periodically for a while here because he's just a, a really, um, he loves talking about this stuff. 
Right, right. No, he he does. He's he was very excited, very mm-hmm. excited to talk about it. And um, you know, I think I think when someone's passionate about something, it really goes a long way. And obviously, that's that's why it has become a, a success enough for someone like the History Channel to pick it up. This mm-hmm. guy, all the way through everything, is he's just doing a top notch job. Mm-hmm. And you know, we talk about a lot about a. a a lot of different topics, but one of those being that many of us, and I'm sure you felt the same way over the the years have felt, you know, blue book is a perfect opportunity for a great television show because there were so many hundreds of unknowns. Mm -hmm. Great cases. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. And then, um, so it's exciting for people to get to know about it. Now we also do talk about some of the controversy, especially in the UFO arena around, uh, some purists, I guess I will call them, because I think that's accurate, uh, are a little upset that, you know, are, well, no, some are very upset that they're not sticking completely to all of the facts. What is your perspective on them? Um, no, I, I don't know. And I, you know, I guess I would like to see a show mm. and, and, you know, before I judge it, you know, but I know, you know, you and I have talked about this before. You, you have to add spice to about any anything to get it, you know, to, to get it exciting enough to, you know, hold the attention of an audience. So, you know, I'm sure they're going to, you know, embellish. It's just, it, everything is embellished when it comes to either, you know, uh, TV shows or movies, you know, it's just mm-hmm. what you have to do really. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, yeah, cause it's hard to encapsulate, you know, a historical moment or story uh, in the short amount of time that you have right? In a, in a script or a television show. So you really have to take the facts that you want to get out there and figure out how to portray them in your story. And so you've got to kind of tweak some things. But what's exciting about this is that um, History Channel has done such a great job writing regular articles about all of these cases that cover the real facts. So uh, they're not really hiding that, you know, that, that things in the story are, are fictionalized. They're, they're, in, they're encouraging people to go look at all of the details uh, in the real-life situations. So that's huh. what's exciting because I'm hoping, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure it will help inspire, you know, a whole new generation of people to really look at these cases and uh, and figure out who Dr. J. Allen Hynek was because I think he, I always try to insert him in my talks that I do out there because I don't want people to forget. I think he's one of the most important, if not the most important person really in civilian research of this topic. You know, one of the things I was thinking, do they actually say at the beginning of the show these are based on, you know, real files um, and, and the, you know, that the Air Force did have this investigation team. I mean, do they actually say that at the beginning? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I think it's very important because and going along with what you just said, because that would certainly inspire a whole new group of people if they knew that the government. I mean, you know, 99 percent of the people out there, I'm sure, have no idea that the government actually did have this, you know, and other projects in place. Right. Um, to, to study UFOs, mm-hmm. sightings. Yes. So so I think that's that will be inspiring and will make a lot of people start to look mm-hmm. into it a little. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, uh, and and they do um, mention that on the show. At the beginning, they have a a graphic, then they make a big deal out of it, essentially, which yeah. is good. That is good. Great. So we'll be talking to uh, Mr. O'Leary in just a minute, and I think you guys are going to love this because uh, he's he's just a ton of fun. The energy uh, that he brings, you know, the excitement for this topic. I think he's really having a fun time uh, talking with people, other people interested in the topic, because uh, he we had a fun interview. But let's talk some UFO news. What you got for us? Well. Um, a little while ago, NASA uh, had actually published uh, something on more or less a document saying uh, that it's possible that aliens may have been visiting Earth. And it was uh, by Silvano Col- Colombano, a researcher at NASA's Ames Research uh, Center in Mountain View, California. Same, same town as uh, SETI where Dr. Uh, Shostak is. Anyway... Um, so this article is uh, by Live Science, and uh, and here's the truth behind NASA's document on aliens visiting the Earth. Uh, Fox News published a startling art- article Monday, December 3rd, with the headline, NASA scientists say Earth may have been visited by aliens. Unsurprisingly, that news rocketed around the web with similar articles soon turning up in uh, the New York Post, Russia Today, The Daily Wire, and uh, but Fox appears to be the the first news source that actually wrote about it. So these articles were based on a document, uh, as I said, by Silvano Colum- Colombano, um, and um, it, it they kind of stretched it a little bit, and that's what kind of made it go viral. So it's uh, not accurately represented. This is uh, uh, by um, uh, Silvano himself. He he writes this. It's not accurately accurately represented. Uh, my perspective was simply that reports of unidentified aerial phenomena should be the object of serious study, even if the chance of identification of some of alien technology is very small. Um, I think that's a major thing, actually, for someone from a NASA research center to say publicly. I agree. Uh, but they kind of, you know, Fox kind of stretched it a little bit and you know, and I understand it's it's clickbait, but it, it went viral. Mm-hmm. You know the um, so um, yeah, uh, I think it's very interesting, and I think it's it's a, a real huge step in the science world, actually, in the in the right direction of looking seriously at at this topic. Yeah, from what I understand too, this this misrepresentation of what he said has been uh, very negative uh, for him. Uh, in oh, that, that's you, too bad. Yeah, there's so there's been a lot of feedback, you know, um, that he's that has hurt his career and his some relationships uh, because he's making a very, <clears throat> you know, and this is what's great. Uh, this article that you're referring to is on the front page of OpenMinds.tv. It's the first one, and then the second article is NASA scientists, or it's one from NBC Mock. But this one is written by Seth Shostak from the SETI Institute. And he's saying that actually, you know, this presentation was done at our event uh, months ago. And here's what he's arguing. And he um, he pretty much agrees. We talk about Shostak a lot, you know, but uh, he pretty much agrees that, uh, I mean, that he has a good argument. He's saying 
um, that essentially he debated the idea, well, he's essentially saying that, you know, SETI makes the argument, such a strong argument that aliens are, are out there, there's got to be advanced civilizations, intelligent extraterrestrial civilizations, which is what their organization is all about looking for. So mm-hmm. if they're out there, um, we ought to be paying attention to the potential that they have visited our planet in the very distant past, or it's possible that they could be visiting now. Shostak said he kind of takes issue with the idea of, uh, you know, physical beings, or at least uh, something similar to us, but that Columbano says, well, what about artificial intelligence or robots, essentially? Something that wouldn't be affected by the same... um, physiological, you know, uh, problems with some of the extreme things you would go through in space travel. Including and, time. That's what they, they right, mostly focus and, on, the amount of time. Right. Which which I actually argued with um, Shostak about, and just the fact that I said maybe they figured something out in physics that we don't know right. and can travel much faster. And um, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't think so. Well, and at which... You know, we don't know. That's such a major assumption on his part. Uh, how, however, he does concede that that is entirely possible, that uh, he has a point there, uh, which makes it then, um, you know, something we should pay attention to. So, I mean, all the indicators, scientifically uh, and otherwise, are that we should pay attention to this potential. And, you know, you're right. Without the... Um, sensationalizing of his report the report itself makes a great argument as to why you know ufos should be a serious topic and so uh it's unfortunate the message kind of got muddled and lost but uh, it is an important message so i agree i think that's such a a great i think that showing that says shostak is open up to the ideas in in um what he was saying is also i think a big deal too because mm-hmm. uh, it shows that you know it's the sort of uh science grounded kind of argument that needs to be made um these are the sort of this is the way that you convince you know scientists and and mainstream to take a more credible look at this topic is uh by these kind of serious science-based arguments as opposed to, well, look at the Internet. The Internet's full of evidence that aliens are here. That's not really a very substantial argument. And it's one, unfortunately, you know, some UFO researchers make. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, another thing, though, um, just for the fact that um, it used to be that it was just totally ridiculous to even think about um and, and I think it's Stan Friedman, I think it's him that says by proclamation of saying, I would know about it. I, you know, I'm, I'm a PhD and astrophysicist. I would know about it if they were visiting here. And that, that's kind of, um, the attitude where science or a lot of people, um, in that field have felt, but I, I do, I do see a little bit of a turn. And, I think um, so too. I think a lot of the discoveries we're making in space have have really changed that conversation where now scientists realize that, you know, the the physical world, uh, especially in space, is much more different than we can even imagine or predict. Mm hmm. Oh, just I just wanted to say uh, um, below that article in Live Science 
uh, again, that's linked to openminds.tv, um, top, top story up there now. Um, there are also seven things most often mistaken for UFOs. So that's a great thing to look through. And, of course, one's right. a failed missile launch, um, which are spectacular looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, and lightning, I would have never guessed that. But, you know, ball lightning, I, I suppose. And, uh, and the but, sprites, I think, can often. Oh, yes. Those are uh, upside down lightning strikes. Yeah. <laughs> they go up into the atmosphere. Uh, bizarre. Mm-hmm. All good stuff. You know, along these lines is... Uh, Something else I wanted to mention, just this weekend, George Knapp had posted an article with an interview with Luis Elizondo, the guy who ran the uh, Pentagon UFO project uh, recently, and he talked about what's coming up in the future. Uh, They posted, so George wrote an article on Las Vegas Now, uh, Channel 8 News out there in Las Vegas that he writes for, but... They also posted a YouTube video about six and a half minutes of Elizondo talking more thoroughly on this topic. And I want to read what he wrote because I think this is really important to give people an idea of what's going on with Elizondo and TTSA, what they're up to and why, even though people are so frustrated, they want to have so much information, Uh why we don't know what they're up to and how this is all unfurling. So... Uh, We'll talk more about this, but let me read what Elizondo said. He says, um, uh, George Knapp essentially asked, is there something big going to come in 2019? Is there more information we're going to hear? And Elizondo say, when you say something big is coming, that could mean a bunch of things. From my perspective, uh, my goal has always been being able to get the right information to the right people in the right places. That's really what it's about for me and informing those individuals so decisions can be made so we can really take a look at this issue from a holistic collective perspective and then have that information get to a point where the government is doing its job and informing the people. It shouldn't be the world according to Luis Elizondo. It shouldn't be Lou informing everybody. It should be. Uh, be those in the positions that have the authority to inform the American people. My job is to facilitate that process. But I think in the course of doing that, we have made significant progress in key areas. I think we have a much better understanding in the depth and scope that the Department of Defense has played in recent times, not historical 40s and 50s. I'm talking about very recent regarding the UFO phenomena. I think people will be surprised just how frequent and the volume in which these things are apparently recorded and observed by active duty military people on missions around the world, by the way. There is also some very interesting congruencies, some interesting relationships that are coming into light for the very first time. New information that I think if people found out would be very surprised. I think some people might be a little apprehensive, scratch their head and think, what does this mean for the rest of us? Other people might say, aha, I told you so. So it depends on who the audience is. That'll be listening. But there's something for everyone. Um, Wow. And I think that's really important because it demonstrates that they are that Lou is doing the job that he uh, used to do. I mean, his career was well, much of his career, besides being in the military, was intelligence, uh, uh, mostly around terrorism, mm-hmm. but also around 
UFO. So it's about information gathering, getting that information to the right people so they can do uh, the right thing. And of course, he and they are an advocate for getting information out. But it's a slow process. And like he says, you know, and and you get the sense when you talk to him personally, and I think more so in the original interviews, everybody's saying, Lou, give us information, you know, give us info, give us info. And he's always had this pushback that I'm not the right person. I'm just a cog. I'm just someone who collected information, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. that hasn't been my job to inform the public. My job has been to inform the leadership who then take it and make the decisions. And so, as we've talked about and we've seen uh, little bits and pieces of, they have been informing leadership, you know, uh, in the sense of government leadership, I think, military leadership. And they feel that they are moving things in the right direction. Now, George also asked, well, what about physical? You know, you're looking at these materials. Is there something there? He said, this is Lou, there are a lot of things out there we are looking at. Um, into to include tangibles in a real sense that will hopefully allow us to have a more comprehensive conversation. I don't want to leave the cart before the horse. There's a lot of analysis, which is good to hear him say that. There is a lot of homework that has to be done, and the most responsible thing I can do right now is say one thing one way, and it or irresponsible thing I can do is say one thing one way, and it turns out to be something else. So we remain cautiously optimistic and we're going to leave no stone unturned. And so far we've turned over many stones and we have more to turn over. But finally, from my perspective, um, it's a huge accomplishment. At the same time, you have to respect the, uh, oh, he said they've also reached out to, you know, a lot of people, um, like he said earlier. Uh, And he said from his perspective, perspective that's a big accomplishment at the same you have to respect these individuals privacy and we have to respect their professional positions and allow them to collect as much data as they can before they really do anything with it keep in mind there's a lot of data out there and it would almost be a derelict of duty for anybody to make a decision preemptively without having all the necessary data in front of them. So, I mean, he was kind of saying that they've made progress with the leadership, the people on the inside they've been working with, that uh, they've changed their minds, um, but it's a slow process because they have to get them the information. These people have to digest this information and understand it before then the final step of, of doing something with it, which, as he says, you know, is to inform the American people. So uh, some people may be skeptical because they don't have much faith in the government, you know, or uh, and, mm-hmm. but he obviously is a um, that's where he's worked. He's a public servant um, and his job his serious job is to help our government and our country to uh, move forward in the best way possible. So um, I think it's really interesting that uh, he is alluding to and many people have uh assume this to mean that there will be some sort of government um, acknowledgement or at least uh, perhaps even some sort of formal investigation or sharing more information about what ATIP, the current organization, is doing. Yeah, coming out in 2019. Uh, All exciting stuff. And uh, I know we're just about out of time here, but I also think it's very interesting that there seems to be a lot of uh, connections between UFOs and military. Yeah. You know, yeah, so many military sightings. I mean, when I have that subject come up, I have people, you know, call in sometimes on my live show and talk about that. 
Yeah. You know, they were in the military and had a sighting. Lots of them. Lots of them. Well, Lou feels that's what they're doing, that, that he he has at least said before that it it's one of his, the things he thinks may be going on is that they're observing our military and, and defense capabilities. And that would make sense. It's along the lines of Robert Hastings and his right. research into the nuclear um Exactly aspect wow. of all of this so yep we are out of time but uh certainly project blue book had a lot of military cases uh that was a majority of their cases really that were the best ones mm, but right. thank you once again for joining us mr martin you're very welcome sir we'll be talking to david o'leary uh the writer and creator of the new history channel series project blue book after this short break I'm very happy to welcome to the show David O'Leary. Hello, how are you? Hi, how's it going? How are you? I am doing great. I'm very excited to be talking uh, to you. And of course, my listeners know I've been very excited for Project Blue Book. And the idea for the show was yours. It, uh, it was. It was. Yeah, you know, I mean... Listen, I, you know, I've had a lifelong fascination with this subject matter. I, you know, as for as long as I can remember, I mean, I left, you know, I, I've, I've told people this before, but it's like I, you know, I remember seeing E.T. in theaters and leaving Reese's Pieces on my windowsill in my <laughs> Manhattan apartment that I grew up in. I went, I actually went and saw uh, the the theatrical adaptation of Whitney Stryber's best-selling book, Communion, starring Christopher Walken in theaters in 1989 when I was Really? Old. I was only nine years old and I dragged my father to this movie that scared, <laughs> that scared the hell out of me. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, it's been a lifelong fascination for me, you know, just the question of, you know, are we alone in the universe? And I don't think that you can uh you know i think that ufos are a huge part of the, of that question and yeah you know so for me it, it really was a it you know for me it started off as a as a sort of pre- like i was very interested in the ufo phenomena that was happening you know now and by now i mean then in like the 80s and 90s as i was growing up but as i got into my 20s you know i realized gosh you know america's history with the subject matter is just as fascinating, if not more fascinating than, you know, what's happening right now. And that's when I really started the deep dive of just going back and looking at, you know, Project Blue Book and looking at the beginnings of like sort of the modern era of, of, of ufology. And that sort of became the impetus for like, wow, there is such an amazing story here. Um, you know, not only in the, in the, you know, the fact that the U.S. Air Force launched an official invest investigation into this matter, but of course, uh, the fact that the chief scientific advisor of Project Blue Book, uh, you know, who started off as a UFO skeptic, um, you know, really changed his tune as you know as the program went on, and certainly publicly uh, once the program had ended in 1969. Right, I I completely agree with you too. Um, what's exciting about it uh, is that. You know, a, a lot of people will ask, why 
Blue Book, you know, why uh, do we pay attention to all of these really old cases? But what I try to explain is that we haven't had an official investigation. We haven't had the sort of resources investigating this topic like we did back then. So the information that we from back then is is better than what we have now. That's right. That's right. And listen, you know, it's like, you know, the New York Times at the end of last year, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, like, uh, you know, dropped a huge mega bomb story about the fact that there was a, a division inside of the Pentagon that was continuing to look into, you know, anomalous aerial vehicles as they as they are now referred to as, mm-hmm. um, you know, right. It's twenty two million dollar program. And so certainly there is still the serious, uh, you know, in certain pockets of the government, this the subject matter is taken very, very seriously, but definitely not in the way where, uh, you know, there was an official, you know, investigation, you know, that 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 was sort of like, you know, deemed as like, OK, we're going to put this matter to rest, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting about Blue Book, too, is uh, and I'm sure you ran into this. And I I actually recently did a preview that I wrote up for Den of Geek that will hopefully get out in the next couple of days or or early next week. But essentially that, you know, the idea that there was no consensus. There's this idea that the Air Force just was like, oh, this is all silly. But that's not the case at all, that uh, there were a lot of people in the Air Force interested in the topic and believing that there was something more to it. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, I, you know, if, if we go back and you look at some of these seminal UFO cases going all the way back, I mean, a lot of them were were sightings and reports, uh, you know, reported by really highly trained personnel, whether they be military pilots, uh, police officers, you know, people working on military bases. Um, you know, these were, you know, there's a great quote from, uh, I think it's General Sanford, who, who, who's, you know, when speaking about Blue Book, when he says something along the lines of, you know, uh, there are some relatively uh, credible people, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like credible reports from credible people about incredible right. things, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the, the most fascinating thing about it is just that is that people with trained eye, commercial airline pilots, you know, and this happens to this day. I mean, there was a huge sighting just a couple of weeks ago in Ireland uh, where three commercial airline pilots mm-hmm. witnessed something that they couldn't explain. And actually, you, people can go online and actually hear those audio recordings. Um, and sort of apropos to the show, it was actually uh, Aidan Gillen, who lives in Ireland, who plays, <laughs> of course, Dr. J. Allen Heineck, who informed our team at Project Blue Book about this case. So I always... I always love that. When That's I was like, cool. Oh, God, it's a UFO case I haven't heard of, and it's and Heineck's telling it to me. Like you know, our Heineck is telling it to us. So it's it, it, you know, but I mean, you know, there have been so many credible report, you know, amazing UFOs. So, you know, whether you go look at you know Chicago O'Hare in two thousand six, the Phoenix Lights in nineteen ninety seven, uh, you know, China's Shaoxin Airport was shut down over this mysterious cylindrical craft that was seen in the sky in two thousand ten. You know, the Chilean Navy right released. Uh, military footage of a UFO that they couldn't understand that they studied for two years in secret mm-hmm. about two years ago that was spraying some sort of like eerie mist into the sky that people can find online. Like it just goes on and on. So it's this, it's this, it's this fascinating mystery that persists, you know, and it's, and it's, and you know, our show just tries to take a look back at, at the, uh, the origins of, of, you know, here was the first official, you know, governmental investigation into these, into this, you know, amazing subject matter. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you pronounce that Chinese uh, airport? 
I said Shaoxin. Is that is that wrong? I don't know. You're probably right. And the reason I ask is because you were able to pronounce it. I wrote several stories on that, and I've never known how to pronounce it. So well, You know what's funny is at one point, this is kind of some insider baseball stuff, but when I was you know pitching the show and trying to get the show you know ordered to series, I really wanted to make sure that I communicated um, – you know that this is that this that UFOs haven't gone away in any respect because sometimes I do get asked that question like oh gosh you know like how come there were so many UFO sightings in the 1950s and 60s but like you don't really hear about them anymore and I'm like that's not true like like you, credible UFO sightings happen all the time the problem now is there's so much noise out there there's so many right. things. you know you go on YouTube there's a zillion fake U like UFO videos that people make it's a lot harder to kind of sift through what's real and what's not real. Um, but you know, and so I think I had mentioned that case, uh, and I think at one point I was like, I need to, I need to be able to correctly pronounce this, uh, this airport, <laughs> but I'm sure one of your listeners, listeners is going to be like, you're not even close. It's called something else. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I hope they, the most important thing is I hope people are familiar with that case. Cause that was a fascinating case. There are photographs. It's this very strange kind of like, what well, looks like a sort of a, like a cylindrical UFO that kind of glows and uh you know really shut down an airport yeah uh, which is unbelievable so uh, i do want to get to uh address this right off the back too because i know uh right off the bat i should say because i know this is kind of there's been a little bit of feedback and especially in particular from jacques valet and you know who he is i'm sure but uh people concerned about the accuracy however this is a historical fiction, and I guess, how did you tackle that? Yeah, it's funny. Jacques Vallée is actually somebody we've been in recent discussions with about sort of a companion piece. I hope I can say this, and I hope I'm not, like, letting any cats out of the bag I'm not supposed to. Um, I mean, listen, you know, we are a drama series. We are a dramatization. Uh, we are not the documentary on Dr. J. Allen Hynek or his life. But, you know, a couple of things I will say about the show that were very important to us. Number one, you know, as you know, um, you know, we had both of his sons on as as consultants for the show because we wanted to make sure that as best we could, we we depicted the man and who Dr. Alan Hynek was and his journey uh, accurately and who he was as a person as well. So having them on board as sort of firsthand witnesses who grew up with Project Blue Book in their household, you know what I mean, saw sort of the effect it had on their father and tracked his career, you know, all his life, that was super helpful. Uh, obviously, the second most important thing for people to know is that every week we are looking at real life UFO cases that people can go out and search and, and research for themselves. Um, do you know what I mean? Like that was really important right. to us is that there be that there be and, and there's other aspects, too. I mean, like elements, you know, characters that we that we try to incorporate that were around at the time men like Donald Kehoe and people, you know, folks like that, that we also try to incorporate into the show. Hmm. But yes, you know, we 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 do take some dramatic liberties Um when we felt we when we felt we sort of needed to, to 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 tell the best story, it's inspired by true events. It's rooted in real life cases for sure. Um, it's based off a real life you know character who worked for this for this program, and you know. But there are things like the chronology of when these cases occurred that's a little bit out of order. There are things where hey, this was a Project Blue Book case. Heineck himself may not have been on the ground at the time, but you know, obviously, we have to tell the story through our lead characters. Um, 
So, you know, it becomes a dance of, uh, you know, we're, you know, of being trying to be authentic uh, to, to the history and what's really occurred, but not always accurate. Um, but one of the things I know history is doing to kind of separate those two, so just to make sure that there's no confusion, is that they um, there will be a, a short companion piece that is essentially to learn more about the real life case that inspired this week's episode of Blue Book. Tune in, you know, after the show. And that is actually the area in which we are we have been in discussions with men like Jack Vallee to contribute to contribute their voice and their opinion, um, you know, to those cases and all of that. Because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that people do understand our, 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 our agenda is never to, you know, confuse anybody or anything like that. But it's our hope is to both educate and entertain and, uh, you know, and to entertain, you know, certain liberties have to be have to be right. um, taken. Right. And I'm excited to see who they choose to do that companion piece because I was considered and unfortunately uh, at the last minute I found out I didn't get it and I would have been excited to do it. Although uh, I'm sure they chose someone great. So I'm excited to see who they got. But I will be writing follow up similar to this for Den of Geek uh, every episode. But I think that is what's important for people to know that when you're doing when you're portraying uh you know in a historical fiction like you can't have the thousands of characters that were actually involved usually you've got right. a handful of characters that have to represent um the different attitudes yeah. of the time well, like, well, you know, like one of the challenges was like as, as i'm sure many of your listeners know is that there were actually three different air force programs right we start mm-hmm. with sign and project sign in 48 which really was a very legitimate investigatory um uh, you know, program that was looking into what is happening here, um, in which Heineck did do some, uh, you know, sort of review of cases and that kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it really, need, towards the end of, of Sign, he gets involved. Then you have Grudge, where well, that was essentially just, a, you know, a debunking operation where Heineck's not really involved at all. And then they bring him back in for Project Blue Book. So, you know, the show is called Project Blue Book. And so it was important to us that, like, you know, it would be very tr- – it was just very tricky to be like, oh, but he's already done this work before, but now he's right. coming back. It's just there was no elegant way to kind of marry everything there, you know, and sort of – so so what it becomes is, like, we sort of treat it like, okay, he's coming in. He's coming in fresh, although he had looked at – he had looked at, you know, right. some of this stuff before. But what was great is – and some listeners may know this is even in project blue book, he went back and re-examined some of the mm-hmm. classic cases from the sign era. So we were like, okay, let's, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to be as, you know, as truthful as we can inside of sort of our storytelling as we can be. But yes, there's always in any historical adaptation, there's always going to be discrepancies between sort of, you know, the events as they really occurred and the dramatization that's, you know, that's necessary to, to, to hopefully hook viewers and, and keep them entertained while educating them at the same time. Exactly. And, you know, I for me, that really wasn't an issue. It's kind of a UFO geek thing that I've, yeah. uh, uh, I wrote about in my article coming out. And I'm glad that you bring up now because I think it, the audience then can get past that before they see the show that, you know, Heineck is joining during the Project Blue, Blue Book era in the show. But right. I, I'm like you. It's not really you know, that big of a deal. You have to simplify things and you have to, you make, make the show interesting. Um, and if people want, which hopefully they'll do, they'll Google the heck out of Heineck and, you know, yes. find out his true history 
And, and you're probably aware that there's a good uh, recent uh, biography, The Close Encounters Man by Mark O'Connell. Did you rely on that at all? Oh, that's a wonderful book. That mm-hmm. is an absolutely wonderful book. That book came out, um, we had already, it came out like I think right when the writer's room was opening up or something like that. Like no other book on him ever existed other than, of course, the books he had written, which mm-hmm. are wonderful too. But it's a great book. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, Aidan Gillen read that book as well. I think he, uh, oh, cool. uh, you know, that was part of his, uh, you know, part of his research of understanding the man and understanding the character. But I, it's a it's a fantastic book, and I, I give hats off to to, to Mark for, for for writing such an in depth uh, you know uh, report on on Heineck and who he was. You know, yeah, I know he's really excited. In fact, I had a, a podcast with him just a few months ago where we addressed the show specifically, and he hadn't heard anything, but he was curious, and he he'll be super excited to hear, especially that Aiden Gillen uh, had read it. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I mean, you know. I think different people are, are tapping into the idea that, wow, what an incredible guy. And forgive me that there, there's a loud garbage truck outside. I hope the listeners are, <laughs> aren't hearing this outside my house, of course. It's your side uh, job. You also do garbage uh, pickup. Yeah, and... On the weekends, you know, on the weekends, <laughs> I, I, uh, I have another gig. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, he saw, as I did, that there's just an incredible story here. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you hit it on the head, Alejandro, in terms of like what we want to do is, you know, what, we, what I really hope ha- happens is viewers check out the show. They're entertained. They, 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 they get wrapped up with the characters, wrapped up with these kind of intriguing cases, the mystery of the show. And then, yes, please go go and research and, and look up these cases and, 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 you know, do your due diligence and start to really learn about just like, wow, like there are so many there were so many fascinating cases and and we do our best, you know, to 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 bring them to light and to and to dramatize them. Um, but I would love nothing more than that, pe- that 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 this continues to like open up the conversation and educate people on on Blue Book on how it operated. You know, we had the chance to um, one of the one of the great kind of other first uh, you know hand witnesses that I got a chance to sit down with is the last living director of Project Blue Book uh, who is still alive. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Robert Friend. Mm-hmm. He was a Tuskegee Airman, worked at, worked on Project Blue Book, worked with Heineck. And I got a chance to sit down and interview him uh, for about two hours uh, at the history offices when we were developing the project. And what a, what a gem of information he was. He's got to be 96 or something uh, in terms of just how Blue Book operated, what it looked like, how, how cases came in, the different ways cases came in, how they treated, how they interacted with the media, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we, 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 we do our, I mean, it's history and they want us to be, you know, uh, as accurate and authentic as we can be, but they also know that this is scripted and they want to make sure we tell a great story as well. So it's, it's always a marriage of the two. Mm -hmm. And they've been doing a great job I've loved that these articles that they've been putting out. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, like on their history website about, Mm -hmm. Hey, learn about this case. Absolutely. And that's sort of like another, you know, really, uh, I think creative and smart way that they're trying to just make sure that people understand like, you know, yeah, this is all true events. These are all real life reports that we're talking about here. You know, if it's the Gorman incident, if it's the Flatwoods monster case, if it's the Lubbock lights, I mean, these are all things that really occurred. 
Um, and that were, uh, you know, never, ne even if explained, never explained satisfactorily to the witnesses on, you know, on the ground and in the sky who saw things with their own eyes that they couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's the crazy thing about blue book is like, you know, 12,000 cases, 700 over 700, which remain on, on, unsolved. But then even within the ones that are solved, you know, m you know, uh, you know, for some hardcore UFO historians, I'm sure they'll know like that the CIA, you know, with the Robertson panel, they came in and they they would change things from kind of, you know, possibly birds to probably birds and things like things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Where like, you know, the, you know, and Heineck himself was a man who would who would be the first to kind of say that like Blue Book, while while sort of public to the public being in was an investigatory arm, really kind of internally, there was immense pressure to just be a debunking and kind of like closing case division. Uh, because, you know, it was all about kind of, you know, calming the public and sort of controlling the narrative on, on what people were seeing and, and, and basically, you know, trying to publicly be like, Hey, there's nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's one of the things, uh, I think I mentioned this before, just, just so it's clear and why people, why I have a little more insight is I did get to see a preview and you do get the sense, which I feel is accurate. And, and like you just mentioned that uh, it doesn't seem, and Heineck made this criticism himself, that the primary objective, at least what Project Blue Book was sharing with the public, or at least what the Air Force leadership, I should say, was sharing yeah. with the public, was to truly inform them about real investigations into UFOs. Yes, yes. Like, like so you're saying that, like, yeah, there was a difference between... Uh, between sort of what what the public was aware that they were doing in terms of you know in terms of what Project Blue Book was and what and what privately kind of inside what it felt like to work there in terms of it being right you know to close cases yeah no one hundred percent and that's something like you know listen I mean that's from a thematic level that is sort of something we are hoping you know resonates today you know I mean unfortunately we do live you know regardless of which political side you're on I think we can all agree that there is there are aspects of fake news out there there are there is spin out there there is there is alternative facts out there and all that kind of stuff you know ways in which you know the public you know is being you know the, the we're those in position of power trying to control the narrative on various issues and that goes all the way back. I mean, Blue Book very much was that as well. Blue Book's like had had the agenda just as much of sort of figuring out what's going on here as sort of also simultaneously making it sort of making light of the subject. You know, kind of explaining them away as quickly and as quietly as they could. You know, mm -hmm. if, if a UFO case didn't make the pub, didn't make, uh, you know, the um, you know, the, the newspapers, Project Blue Book would not like report it to the newspapers. And if it did make the newspapers, that's when they really had to come in and the pressure would come down. Like, you got to tell you got to tell them something. You got to give them something, you know, tell them it's tell them it's a weather balloon. Tell them it's birds. Tell them it's a meteor, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and Heineck is one of the first, you know, to admit that, you know, I mean, if for those who, who know Heineck and his stuff, well, it's it's fascinating that like. You know, not only was he convinced coming out of Blue Book that UFOs are, are worthy of scientific study and 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 most likely some, you know, I mean, he has got a great quote where he think where I'm paraphrasing it, but it's essentially like he believes that, you know, that by understanding the mystery of UFOs, you know, he thinks it'll, it, it, it could be a key piece in understanding, you know, who we are and what our place in the cosmos is. So, you know, he he was big on that. But then he was also big on the notion that, 
Yeah, 100%. Like Project Blue Book was in many ways a disinformation campaign used to control public perception about this, you know, mm-hmm. about what's going on here. Right. I mean, I, I feel kind of like a PR spin type of stuff, a lot of it going on, especially if you read, you know, the guy who first was the first chief of Blue Book, Rupelt's book, um, yeah. that yeah, the, they the didn't really care about his real research. Flying objects in 1956. That, by the way, that was a that was a seminal book for us. Just another mm, great book and something good. your listeners should just be aware of, too. Right. And I'm sure maybe maybe some of them know is. The first, not only was the chief scientific advisor of Project Blue Book, Alan Hynek, did he come out, you know, switching sides, right, on, on the UFO issue. So did Edward Pelt, you know, Captain mm-hmm. Edward Pelt. That book is filled with sort of criticism of Blue Book and, mm-hmm. and filled with cases and, and events and things that he couldn't explain either. And, and, and the feeling that people aren't taking this seriously or there's pressure to kind of like quell what's, what, what, you know, what's going on here, you know, so – Right, exactly. Interrupt you. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. That's fine. I'm glad you get so excited about that book because I do too. I really feel that is the most important book in this field, actually. Yeah that that book is one of my prized possessions because okay, it's 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 a book written by the first director of Project Blue Book. I had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Colonel Robert Friend, who's the last living director of Project Blue Book, sign the book. And then inside of that book is like all my notes for the show, for the show project. <laughs> so it is like my, it is like, it sits, it sits on my shelf sort of as a, as just a, a, a you know, I just feel so, um, I don't know, fortunate and blessed to actually be able to be a part, uh, you know, a small part of, of that. Well, you hopefully know, incredible I, ever, you I've got to cut you off because we've got to go to break here, but hopefully sure. it'll be a bigger part. Uh, of the whole story as time goes on and we'll talk more about that after the break but we've got to take a quick break uh for those of you listening to the podcast you'll hear a short musical interlude and then we will be right back with david o'leary back you're listening to open mind ufo radio i'm your host alejandro rojas and we have producer show creator writer of project blue book david o'leary hello again hi hi so kind of playing off of where we ended you you said you feel so um you know honored to be part of this conversation and bringing this information out to people I'm kind of hopeful that your show makes Heineck a bit of a cult hero. And one of the reasons I think this may happen is because Aiden Gillen plays such a, you really love this guy. I think you love his, the Heineck that he plays on the show. Absolutely. Aiden Gillen is, you know, such a wonderful actor and such a chameleon of an actor too. You know, he's one of those guys who is able to vanish into every role he does, right? Like <laughs> his, his performance of, of, of Alan Heineck is nothing like his performance of like little finger on game of Thrones, which is nothing like his performance on the wire. You know, I mean, he's just so multi-versatile. Um, you know, when we were casting Heineck, I mean, it's a true, you know, we want to do the exact same thing in terms of making him somebody that just people really understand how important of a historical figure he was. Um, 
And, you know, for us, he needed to satisfy a few things. You really needed to believe that he was sort of the smartest guy in the room, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. because um, that's who Heineke is and was. I mean, if you go back and look at his books, this man was so such a meticulous, detail-oriented scientist. But he's got to be the smartest guy in the room, but he's also he was also accessible, right? He kept an open mind and mm-hmm. was a personable guy and, and, and lovable, too, right? A family man and somebody who you, you know, who's a little quirky and a little... Um, you know, a little like uh, nerdy in his own respects. You know right. what I mean? And and that's what we try to do with with uh, with our character. You know what I mean? He's 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 smart. He's open minded. You know, but he's a scientist first and foremost. He's gonna. He, you know, he he's driven by where the science goes. And he's but he's also kind of you know. And that's why I love how we've partnered him with this with Michael Malarkey, who is like smooth as can be, mm-hmm. and like you know, this young kind of hotshot. Uh, you know, Air Force captain. And it's so that it becomes a bit of this this wonderful odd couple, the two of them uh, working together, which, you know, and listen, you know, the, the first, Edward Pelt really was a young guy. I mean, Edward Pelt died at the age of 37 when he was working at Project Blue Book. He was, you know, in his early 30s at best, you know, and and was this very kind of, uh, you know, uh, charismatic, uh, you know, uh, World War II vet. So it's we, funny you mentioned that because. Now that you mention it, I, I do kind of see the Rupelt in the character in the show because uh, Heineck, of course, was a scientist, whereas Rupelt was kind of like he didn't know what to make of this stuff. His boss told him, go look into what they're, they've been doing at this UFO project. He's yes. like, well, it's kind of interesting. I think there's something to at least look into. And he started running across these cases where he's scratching his head. I don't know what the hell's going on here. And that's I right. think we have that with the Heine character, and that's why I'm hoping he becomes kind of a cult hero, because I think the audience wants to believe, but they want a reason to believe. And that's so I think they'll identify with this character who's skeptic, but then he's finding, whoa, there's a lot of weird stuff here. A hundred percent. I mean, and you know, Heineck was such a trained, he has such a trained eye, you know what I mean? So the fact that he, there were so many cases that he was like, I don't have the ast- astronomical answer for this. I really don't really, I do think says a lot, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, keep it And what's also fascinating about his journey, too, is like, you know, Heineck was the father of ufology, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He is the first one, he was the first scientist to really, you know, um, be like, you know, try to categorize and try to, you know, put into some sort of, uh, you know, understandable language, um, this mysterious phenomena that was happening. And, you know, of course, like he is the creator of the, the close encounters classification system that we're also familiar, you know, close encounters, of the first kind, second kind, third kind, right. He was, you know, obviously a consultant on Spielberg's movie. He's got a wonderful cameo, by the way, if anyone's ever curious to, to, to see, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a cameo in the film, uh, near the end. And, um, but, you know, but he did so much more than just that classification system. He, he would categorize different UFO sightings into patterns, you know, daylight disks and different. He has he had a grid of like the different kinds of shapes that UFOs would be reported to take the different kinds of, you know, he looked for patterns in in how people report UFO cases, things like, you know, there, there, there's a lot of most people who have a UFO experience. There's always that that thought process of, um, you know, at first I thought it was X. 
You know what I mean? And then, so like things like that, that, that are just the nature of human psychology. So there's just immense insights, uh, into his body of work. Uh, you know, the UFO experience was, was the book, uh, that really got me hooked on his story. And then, you know, I mean, you know, and there was a wonderful documentary, by the way, about America's history with UFOs. That was really, uh, hmm. Uh, sort of seminal for me too, uh, which was Peter Jennings, 2005, Seeing is Believing. Mm. Which I, I encourage everybody to check that out. It's got a great section on Heineck and really goes back to the beginning of, uh, you know, America's history with UFOs as well. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, I had a couple talks in Baltimore and actually Paul Heineck got to sit in one, but one was uh, Spielberg. And of course, Heineck was a, a, a big part of that one. Uh, yep. It would have been so fun if you would have seen it because you geek out about the same things that I do, and so that's exciting. Obviously, you're you're kind of a UFO geek like the rest of us here uh, listening to the show. This topic excites you. So probably, because I, I'm sure a lot of people, even like myself, have thought they should make a show about Blue Book. How did you sell it? And it, it seems like this sure. was a big, big sale for you. It was. It definitely was. So I, I, uh, my background was I, you know, I started off like working in Hollywood as like an assistant, and I actually became an executive where I would work with writers, and then realized I, wa I really wanted to be a writer. Um, but I was working primarily in movies, you know, and uh, and when I and and literally what happened for me was I, I really wanted to break into television because you know there's so many great stories that happen in TV, and literally one night with my wife, kind of having a glass of wine. Uh, I started kind of, we just were talking about like, well, what could you write? And this idea kind of came to fruition. I was like, you know, that could be a really interesting series. Like for lack of a better term, I hate to deduce the show to it's like bare essence, but like, you know, a real life X-Files set in the time of Mad Men was sort of like, I had, I still have the napkin that I scribbled this idea down on. And I was like that there's something there. And, uh, what I did was I, I actually specced the pilot, which means that I actually wrote the pilot without anybody, uh, paying me to write it. I just did a ton of research. I worked with my, my reps at the time and, uh, and, and I wrote the pilot and I sold it that way. Most, most television actually gets sold on pitch, but because I didn't have any kind of, you know, previous real clout in television, I had worked more in the movie space and they are sort of considered still two different things out here. Uh, I just got very, very fortunate that we were able to kind of put a team together. You know, it got a lot of reads around town. A lot of people liked it. It got a ton of meetings. And then, and then, you know, I got the call that everybody wants, which is like, hey, Bob Zemeckis' company loves this, wants to do this. Uh, and right around that same time, too, my agent had had a, had, had a lunch with a, a, an executive at A&E, which is our studio uh, that does that, that creates a lot of television programming for history. And they were looking for something in the 1950s, but they didn't know what. And so it all just kind of came together and I was fortunate that they were able to, that they both purchased the, the script and I had put together a Bible for the show, which, which for the nine screenwriters out there is essentially just like, here's a roadmap for like what, where I see this going over multiple seasons, you know, um, mm -hmm. cause in an, in an ideal world, you know, we, we try to be, you know, we, we take some liberties with the chronology, but we really try to be truthful as well in that, you know, I would say in our first season, our cases that we look at really take place between the, the years of about 1948 to 1953. And, and the timeline on our show is more like night, like fall of 1951 to summer of 1952. So we, we, we try to be truthful because there's just so many great cases. How do you limit yourself? So we tried to be, we tried to, you know, we're like, all right, well, let's, let's let history limit us in some ways 
so that we can so that we'll have because there's so many more great stories to tell down the line you know mm-hmm. so we, well it's exciting and i'm glad that they saw this that uh, the potential because it is this rich uh hidden u.s history that really hasn't been brought to this this, uh, a higher platform and they're really tackling it and and bringing it there with their articles and then with the show and that's just so exciting because there's so much there that it's wonderful to see kind of um this hidden history brought out to the greater public yeah, and I, I, that's where I really give my hats off to history and my hats off to A&E Studios. They loved this project from the beginning. They, just something for like, you know, the fans and viewers of the show to know, the network and studio executives are as, are as sort of obsessed with this subject matter as anybody. You know, like I I went to a Bob Lazar documentary with my network executive that he informed me about. You know what I mean? Like they are not just like they this is a subject. That's hilarious. I was just hanging out with those guys the other guy the other day who made that documentary. Oh, 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 that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we could go I could do a whole thing just on Bob Lazar. I mean, it's a a fascinating no matter where you fall on, whether you believe him or not. I think it's a fascinating uh, story. Um, So that's what's been so I've been. I felt so I feel so lucky to be working with people that truly understand the show and then we're really willing to put the resources behind it to make it you know I mean like you know it, it, for me it just it looks highly you know the show has a very cinematic feel uh you know we got some of the best directors te- television directors uh that are out there we uh you know our cast you know I mean between Aiden Gillen Michael Malarkey we got Neil McDonough Michael Harney Neil McDonough you know is is one of the great actors and so is Michael Harney uh you know Laura Minnell and and Ksenia Solo I mean these are just wonderful wonderful people and just incredible actors that I'm just like wow I can't believe that that they've come on board to to help us tell the story Mm -hmm. now you believe there's a true mystery behind the UFO phenomena is that correct one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I actually think where I fall is similar to where Heineck fell in mm. that I I oscillate in what I truly believe UFOs might be. And I'm sure that like um, and I hope that people know this, that like um, Heineck did as well. Like the extraterrestrial hypothesis is, right. one, uh, is one of Heineck's hypotheses. But he also thought it was just as likely that we may be dealing with some sort of like hyperdimensional or interdimensional intelligence that we have yet to understand where, whereby, and that came from just the fact that so many re- UFO reports, uh, have this sort of blinking out of existence, uh, property to them. Like they almost like shift into a higher state of existence, you know, like we're somehow like our planet is theirs as well, but we don't fully understand that yet. Mm-hmm. Kind of postulated that potentially we could be dealing with an extraterrestrial artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Just wrap your head around that for a second. And then, of course, uh, is the notion that potentially are we being visited by our future selves? Do, are, do UFOs represent the reality of, of, of time travel? And I, I, I think all of those are, are potential answers to what we're dealing with. Um, but what I do believe is two things. I believe that there is a genuine, unexplained, intelligent phenomena in our skies that we have yet to understand – and I also believe that 100% certain pockets of our governments and of other governments around the world know that to be true. And due to kind of fear of um, 
fear of what what that might mean and what that might do to our public has have sort of systematically decided to to try to keep that to try to keep that fact in the dark as best they can while they themselves try to realize what is the nature of what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I get asked all the time is, but wait, come on, like the government is horrible at keeping secrets. You know what I mean? How could they ever possibly keep a secret this big, right? To which I always say precisely, they've done a horrible job at keeping this secret. That is why half this country believes that, you know, we're not being told the whole truth. You know what I mean? That's why cases and reports leak all the time because you know, the, it, it at least seems to me that like the UFO phenomena doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, prescribe, you know, prescribe to like what maybe our government might want it to be, which is like to remain on the fringes and to remain something that's sort of secretive. Right. No, you know, that's why 10,000 people in, in Phoenix in 1997 saw a mile long V-shaped craft in the sky that they have yet to understand. That's why, you know, a Two dozen people at Chicago O'Hare's airport saw a disc hovering over the airport that then shot up into the sky and left this like creepy circular uh, indentation in the cloud. You know, I mean, it's just so it's it's it's. uh, And to your point about the government, you know, we recently found out they did have a secret UFO program. Correct. And that's only the one we know about. You know, that's the one that. New York Times was able to realize, wait a second, $22 million a year of taxpayer money is is looking into anomalous aerial vehicles. And, you know, there's this wonderful, uh, this wonderful, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like sort of private division called To The Stars Academy that maybe some people have heard of. Oh, yeah, um, we talk about it a lot on this show. Right? And like, so, you know, they're coming out with all these incredible videos, you know, that, 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 that have been authenticated and that are real, that are recent. And, and that's, it, it's great to like, to, to see that that's happening and that, and that, you know, in this modern era, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's harder, I think, to keep information secret. And I, and I hope that people are more willing to, to kind of share their experiences because that's an important piece too. I think, I think that this, this is a subject matter that still gets sort of ridiculed at times. It still can be sort of difficult for people to come forward with their experiences. And, you know, we were talking about a little bit like with, you know, we've been going to like places like alien con and comic con with the show. And, one of the fascinating things I've noticed is when people come up and ask questions about the show, they um, they also feel the need to share their own their own experiences. Like we had somebody at AlienCon at our most recent panel in Baltimore come up and basically be like, you know, I've never told any anybody about this who knows me, but I guess I'll tell all of you. And there were about two thousand people in that audience, and so it's it's great that people are starting. You know, if if we can, if, if our show can also be a little bit of just helping people be be um, you know feel okay with you know sharing what they've what's happened to them like great because that's all the answers lie within that you know mm-hmm. whether whatever the, those answers may be well yeah. your your perspective will be very accepted by this audience because it's very similar to my perspective that's why i love Heineck so much um and i would say that that definitely this show is more about less about believing and more about curiosity yeah. uh and discovery, you know, looking for information. Uh, so, but I, I do yeah. want to ask. So, given what you just said, was it odd for you? Because I've I've interviewed friend as well, and I want to yeah. know what your experience is. Because I love the guy; he's a great guy, really nice. Uh, you you yeah. can't help but love the guy. However, despite running Blue Book for a period of time, he is not sold that there's a genuine mystery to the UFO sure. phenomenon. That that is true. He, I think, remains on the on the more skeptical side, and and and, and you know, although did it, you know, I asked him a few hard questions. I asked him the question of um, if Project Blue Book and if you, good sir, 
had come across something that you couldn't explain and that Project Bluva couldn't explain and that you felt may represent some sort of alien or, you know, you know, an otherworldly intelligence. Would you tell me about it? Then? Would you have told us about it then? And would you tell us about it now? And he said, no, I would not. <laughs> right. So I was like, oh, okay. that's interesting. Yeah. Great so question. You know, I tried and also some interesting things about him, too. Like, um, you know, our show deals in some matter with the Majestic 12. And I know there's probably an op- there's probably people who fall on both sides of the issue on the on the um, I've got a great video on, on it. <laughs> on, on, yeah. And sort of the on sort of the veracity of those documents, the veracity of a re- and for those who aren't familiar with it. Right. This was this was an alleged, uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of secret group of 12 kind of, you know, top military personnel, scientists, et cetera. Um, you know, that was assembled by President Truman to sort of deal with the UFO problem. I asked him about that and he and he and he had he, he was very open to that. He was like, yes, I had heard rumblings that there was this group um, uh, at the time. Uh, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So it was like a couple of like nuggets really did come out of my time with him that that made me that made me. But listen, you know, he also I mean, I'll be the first to say that he also was wasn't convinced that 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 ufos necessarily uh uh represent something that we have yet to understand you know mm-hmm. and one thing i'll say too just about having an open mind and, and about this podcast is i think it, i want to make sure that audiences understand that our show toes that line as well and that things are not always what they appear um even in some of our marketing even in some of the more controversial uh you know or maybe kind of uh you know you know aspects of the show such as like any you know there's an iconic photo right now you know that we that 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 publicity uses of of you know of of Heineck basically looking at what looks to be an alien being inside of the tank and I I just want to make sure that audiences know that like we we are always threading even on on aspects like that there are there we're always walking that line of otherworldly explanations and then also very worldly explanations and um uh, and, and we, we spent a lot of time looking, you know, we, we delve into UFOs. We also delve into other programs that were going on at the time, governmental programs happening at the time, uh, you know, aspects of the space race that were held going on at the time. So it, it becomes this great blend of, you know, I hope giving people the UFO show that they want and also hopefully the UFO show that they don't expect. Um, interesting. And- Cause X-Files was like that. You would see a teaser or a trailer and you think, oh my gosh, this crazy thing's going to happen. And they'd flip it on you and it might not be what you think it is type of thing, which is exciting and more truer to real life. Real life is much more an enigmatic and not straightforward. Cause we listen, I, 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 it'd be, it would please me nothing more than both people who are, you know, who have either are believers or truly open-minded people on UFOs, check out the show and learn more about the history if they don't already know it themselves. But then also that please, you know, skeptics and people who are just like, ah, this is all nonsense. Check out the show as well. And, and, and please do the research of, of looking at like, well, did that case, that could, that case couldn't have really happened. And then you go back and you look it up and you're like, Ooh. no, it absolutely 100% did. Yeah. Just like, just like there was a mysterious V-shaped craft over Phoenix in 97, there was a mysterious V-shaped craft over Lubbock, Texas in 1951. And there are patterns to this phenomena. And there are mm. reality. Some cool stuff. I would love to share some stories with you uh, about Heineck related with V-shaped too. But we'll do that. Yeah. We're running out of time. But at the very – the one thing I do want to address is you do uh, allude to, at least in the show, some pretty conspiratorial stuff. Like you said, the image of him almost looking like an alien. And those conspiracy people uh, are going to say – and, of course, it's already out there and you've probably seen it. And I'd love to hear your response. 
yeah. that you're part of the conspiracy, that this has to be, <laughs> you know, in cahoots yes. with the government and you're working with them to release I, information. I, 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 I've heard two different versions of this one. And listen, I actually think I would be like kind of wondering this also if I wasn't. <laughs> Let me just preface it with that because I'm always a little bit of like, I wonder, what is uh-huh. this so I've heard two different versions. I've heard the version where is is the show um, further uh, disinformation to hide the, the truth from the public, uh, to which I will say, no, it is not. That in fact, our 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 intent is the exact opposite. It's it hopes to entertain, but to educate, and we want all viewers to like go do the research after the show and 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 pick apart like, oh my god, that really did occur, and like, okay, that 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 they're obviously dramatizing, and I get why. And things like that. So we we have no we are not trying to be a smokescreen in any way. And then the second thing I've I've heard is sort of the flip of that, which is well, is is the show in some way preparation for disclosure? Uh, to which all I will say is that if it is, it definitely goes above my pay grade. If like whoever <laughs> you know what I mean, if the head heads of of the network who then work for the head heads of like these multimedia conglomerates, like you know. I, but listen, I mean, I, I'm, I'm having fun with it here, but the answer to that question is also no. I mean, we, we, we really, um, we are our own thing. We, we just wanted, for me, I just wanted to tell this incredible story as, as, as truthfully as I can, as authentically as I can, and also as entertainingly as I can. And, uh, that's what we've sort of set out to do. And, you know, but you know these sort of larger machinations at work. I mean, they are they are fascinating and they are fascinating theories. But uh, certainly, uh, all I can say is, as far as I am aware, I, as truthfully as I can answer is no. We are we are just a television show on history trying to trying to tell a great story. Yeah, well, your answer is very similar to other people who are very fascinated and interested in this field who. Uh, also work in Hollywood or television and stuff like that. In fact, your show reminds me a bit of Dark Skies. Did you ever see that series from the the 90s? Uh, Yes, I have. And what's so funny is I was doing a different podcast and somebody actually introduced, email introduced me to Bryce Zabel. And I'm going to grab lunch with Bryce Zabel, which is awesome because we both sort of share the the now experience of – of having worked on a on a UFO show that that was set in a period timetable, you'll so, have a great time. He's a good friend, and in fact, as soon as I saw the preview preview of the show, I emailed him and I said, "Did you get a chance to go to one of the previews?" And he said, "Why is it? Did it remind you of Dark Skies?" And I said, "Exactly." And he said, yeah, "Oh, tell uh, me more about it." It's unbelievable, and it's not. And it's funny because Dark says, "I remember when it came out, and it was in the '90s, and I was." probably like you know 14 or 15 when it came out i've i've only seen a little bit of it to be honest with you but like it's uh it's a show that i definitely like i feel like i should now like you know especially after i meet with bryce like yeah bitch, you know what i mean but but uh you know this show really uh really just sort of for me came out of just more of like the real life uh you know not that not that dark skies i'm sure touched upon this too but it came off of just all the research right and sort of books that I read and documentaries that I watched that's what sort of like got me that got my juices flowing is you know we we wanted to keep it and you know this was so important to Bob Zemeckis as well as like we have to you know we have to keep it grounded we have to keep it feeling real we have to feel it has to be it has to honor what Blue Book was and 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 honor what and honor um you know as best we can you know you know, what we know to be true. And then of course, you know, but listen, it's like with blue book files thing, you know, files are redacted, things are changed. Even in the declassification of blue book files, you know, 
you know, there are files where it's just a photograph and virtually nothing else or redacted information. Right. So it gives us some liberty to like, you know, we're also telling the untold story, the the, the story of things that, that, that the public may not be aware of, you know, mm-hmm. and we're, you know, having fun with that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly enjoyed the preview that I got to see, and I'm so excited for the show. And this talking with you has been uh, more exciting than I thought it, and I thought it would be good. But this has been great. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, and thanks all the listeners out there for listening. and And I hope I really hope you enjoy the show. And you know, you can find me on social media and all that good stuff. and And if you enjoy it, please tell your friends about it and spread the word. You know, we're a first year show in a in a highly competitive peak TV marketplace. So I appreciate you know the love and support. Uh, you know, as best as best as you can. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to David O'Leary for joining us on the show. Uh, He was so much fun, huh? All that energy and excitement. And really, he, as we heard, is the one to thank for getting this information out there. And I think that, you know, personally, he does deserve thanks for getting that information out there. Because the end, at least uh, the end game for those of us really interested in this topic, is that a lot of serious Uh, information about this topic is going to get out there. People are going to be, you know, inspired to look at the real information, look up the real Dr. J. Allen Hynek, the real blue book cases. I think that it's by far a net positive. I mean, if there are some weird people out there who want to believe the fiction, then what can you do about that? Uh, But I think that people are savvy enough when they're watching TV to know that fiction is just that fiction. And uh, not everybody, unfortunately, But those uh, who are interested in the real history will then look it up, which is very, very exciting. At the very least, people will be left with the concept that, you know, the Air Force found much more uh, mysterious uh, information and uh, credibility to the topic of UFOs than people uh, have been led to believe over the many decades that the Air Force has kind of been poo-pooing this topic. So I think that's really important. I'm very excited for the series. And I'm very excited for the way that uh, the History Channel has been marketing this series. So, uh, and I'm excited for someone like David O'Leary to be getting out there. And you know, uh, as we I often mention with when these people come out, is that we have a growing field. We have more and more people interested in this topic seriously and passionately, and uh, especially people who have access to be able to get information in front of the masses. That's always very, very important. This is also very positive, including the news that Martin and I were talking about at the beginning of the show that you can find at openminds.tv. So Project Blue Book begins January 8th. Go to the History Channel and uh, look up Project Blue Book, and you'll be able to read all of these cool articles that I've been talking about. And, uh, of course, you could go to openminds.tv and also find uh, links to this in the show notes. I'll have links, and I'll have more information as well. So check all of that out. Uh, Otherwise, I want to say, you know, Karen and I had our show last week about all of the cool products, the UFO Congress store. Uh, Remember, check that out. Time is is of the essence as Christmas comes up. But we get stuff out pretty quickly and we have lots of really cool stuff. The store has been keeping me so busy because there's lots of really 
cool products there that Karen has been able to find that people are loving, which is wonderful. So check out store.ufocongress.com and check out our YouTube pages, mine, because I've been doing that UFOs Live, you know, where I talk about UFO news uh, of the week every Thursday, and then the UFO Congress where we've been posting more information as well. So uh, thank you all so much for being here. I want to thank uh, Martin Willis for the beginning of the show, doing the news with us. Uh, Martin Willis of Podcast UFO. I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. And by the way, take, check out Caleb Hanks on Patreon. Uh, he's got some new music that he has put out. And I do often get the question, who does your opening and close music? It's Caleb Hanks. Go check out his Patreon because you can get some n- more uh, music for free there. And then I also want to thank Sisk- Systematics for the bumper music. And of course, as usual, I want to thank you all, the listeners. Until next time when we're going to be talking to Paul Hynek, Dr. J. Allen Hynek's son. This is going to be a really special one as well. But until then, you guys have a great week. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>